This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 3rd, episode 2669, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. 19 three-year-olds. All in line and ready for the start. They're off in the Kentucky Derby. And off to a solid beginning here. And it will be Medina Spirit who comes out the best to take the early lead. Soup and Sandwich on the outside, away running in second. Helium is close up to the pace in between those two, and these three will lead them early. And then it's Hot Rod Charlie behind them, Mandaloon on the inside. Essential Quality is outside of horses and four lengths from the front early. And then it's Super Stock, followed by Highly Motivated. Rock Your World's coming from well off the pace here as they make their way into the turn. He's a good 10 lengths off the lead. Then toward the inside, it's Obezos. They're being followed by Midnight Bourbon, who's well off the pace as well. Mike the King is next on the inside, and Brooklyn Strong. Dynamic One is next. No agenda, followed on the outside by Hidden Stash. And at the back of the pack earlier, Bourbonic. And the trailer is Keep Me In Mind. The first half mile was 46. .7 seconds, and Medina Spirit leads them up the backstretch. The Bob Baffert trainee is three-quarters of a length in front. Soup and Sandwich on the outside second. Mandaloon drafts in right behind the front runners, third on the inside. Then it's Helium in fourth. Hot Rod Charlie behind them. Essential Quality begins to move on the far outside as they make their way around the far turn. Medina Spirit is still the leader here. And Mandaloon comes on the scene on the outside, a half-length behind. Essential Quality is put to pressure. Hot Rod Charlie right in behind the leaders. Flavian Pratt asking him to go now as they make their way to the top of the stretch. Medina Spirit and Mandaloon are stride for stride. Hot Rod Charlie and Essential Quality closing on the outside. The four of them come into the final furlong. Mandaloon fighting for the front. Medina Spirit battles on. Hot Rod Charlie on the outside. Essential Quality on the far outside. The four of them coming to the finish in the Kentucky Derby. Here's the wire. Bob Baffert does it again. Medina Spirit has won the Kentucky Derby. Oh my God! Who was the most surprised that that horse won? That Bob would be Baffert. Bob Baffert. <laughs> Did you see his interview after? Uh, he was just I shocked. I loved it. I love the interview after because he gave the he's like this little horse. I tell you, like he gave the horse all the credit, and I love the fact that like he had to eat those words because before he was like, yeah, I'm gonna stay close to the parking lot so I can just like dip out after the race. Like what? <laughs> He was not expecting that. You, they, and then, of course, they showed him as the horse was winning, and he was totally shocked. He was as shocked yeah. as anybody. But, you know, that's the thing about the Derby is if you break clean and you go for it, like if you if you saw the way that Soup and Sandwich ran, okay, when Soup and Sandwich broke out of the gates and came forward, he was hustling. Like you just saw him burn himself out and you thought he's going to get it. He's going to, and then he just faded. They basically almost pulled him up, last. I think by the yeah. end of the race. He just quit. 
But this horse did not have a drop of mud on it. Nothing. No. Not <laughs> a lick of dirt. Led from beginning to end and was a surprise to everybody. Paid, by the way, uh, $26 to win and $12 to, to place. So not too shabby. $26 oh, man. to win. And- and he's so beautiful. I, I just, I was like, oh my God, he's so pretty. Even coming out when they do the post parade, like, oh, it's, it's, it's like my type, that dark bay, almost black without a lick of white on him, you know, maybe a little star. But other than that, I mean, I was like, wow, he's pretty, which usually <laughs> means I shouldn't bet on them because right. that means I think they're going to be really nice sport horses. <laughs> but he crushed it. That was awesome. So, so awesome. I think and none of our stopped. picks by name came in. <laughs> I think Only one. I, I was just looking for it. We we put up a post in the Horses uh, in the Morning Facebook auditor group and one person picked it. And really? I can, uh, it's, it's killing me. I looked back through it. One person. So out of 500 picture. auditors, one of us got it right. <laughs> just one and my darn mother-in-law was like i picked number seven i won i'm like you picked it because it was a number that's even less than picking for a name i'd pick number four a lot <laughs> <laughs> like i had a winner i'm like how much did you win she's like oh no nothing I'm like exactly so hush <laughs> did you actually bet any this time or, or have all your apps been removed from your phone now I found that the best thing for my marriage and my bank account was that I do not have betting apps on my phone. Although <laughs> I can't, they're like disabled right now. Oh, so not they're deleted. not, you didn't delete them off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> they're just not updated. And so I haven't hit that little button. Has like, Chad gone in and changed the passwords on you? Uh, you know, Chad was gone this weekend on a trip and I was very well behaved. So. <laughs> I went away too. So Jennifer really enjoyed her Saturday watching all the derby races without me. What so. a cool story about how he was bought for. Oh, you, I you, have you more about it, that. It's an Ocala story. Yeah. Tell us about that. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Let's do Daily Winnie's first. But I have a little backstory on the breeder here, which is going to make you excited and break your heart all at the same time. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. We also have Pat uh, Rea coming on. She's from What Italians Really Eat, comes on our show all the time. And she had a derby party, and she's going to give us one of the recipes from the weekend, plus equestrian first world problems. And I have a guessing game today for equestrian fact of the day. So all of that is... Co- and you have a story about one of your horses, one that you've all heard about many, many times. Well, happy birthday to Diane Ortman and Devin Horn, Daredevil Devin. Uh, It's her birthday as well. We also have some new auditors. We have Melissa Abin and Kodu Court. Or Cody Court, I think it is. I think I misspelled God, it, actually. How do you... I think I misspelled it. I actually wrote C-O-D-U. It's not that. It's C-O-D-I, I think. And also raised pledges. We have Shannon, Lilla, and Cindy. Thank you to, for raising your pledges. And some of them raised a lot. So thank you so much for doing that. We really appreciate Remember, if support. he misspells and mispronounces your name, it is a badge of honor. Yeah, you I don't know. I, totally, I even wrote it wrong. <laughs> so that's that's a total fail. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I love when I adopt out horses and they go to the right people. Angela Bailey adopted a horse named Oki Brown from us. She's an auditor and she trusted me enough to basically take him sight unseen, you know, and like up to shift him up to Maryland. And Oki Brown came and Oki Brown was almost, I called him feral. Like he was, he was unraced, unstarted, un all the things, uh, like un touched practically. Uh, he was started as a yearling for 30 days and then turned out. And I think that they, they have so many horses, they just kind of forgot about him. And so at three, he came to me and he was very, very challenging. But, um, Angela adopted him after I had put put quite a bit of time on him and we were riding him and everything like that and getting him used to all the things. And she took him on his first field trip already. Like she's had him a week. She took him to Lockmoy farm in Maryland and it's out on the cross country course and she's riding her horse and ponying him and he's going through the water and he's playing in the water and he's going over all the, in the field. I'm just like blown away. It's like your children have grown up and moved on. I know. It's so <laughs> So anyway, I'm pretty excited for her and I th she's just, you know, you just know when they're going to do a, do a good job. So I'm really excited. All right. Let's hear the story behind the story. So Medina Spirit was bred in Florida by a woman by the name of Gail Rice. And uh, he was a son of Pron uh, Protonico? Protonico? Protonico. And was sold as a yearling for $1,000. I think we all know that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the kind of the rest of the story. Uh, he was bred out of a mare called Mongolian Changa. And uh, the derby winner, this derby winner, this Medina Spirit, was the mare's only foal. But this lady, Gail Rice, lives here in Florida and is a very small breeder, okay? Um, they actually brought, bought the mom, Mongolian Changa, for $9,000. Actually, her ex-wife or ex-husband bought the horse. And they trained and raced the filly. She finished third in her first two starts at Keeneland and then finally became a winner at uh, Presque Isle Downs in her fourth start. But then she didn't race beyond that because she got injured. So her total earnings for the mom for Mongolian Changa were $25,000, and they retired her to have babies. Well, for the first baby, they chose this uh, pro, pro, whose name I can't say. Protonico. Uh, Protonico, who was a grade one placed uh, winner and, and uh, was by TaylorMade Stallions. And TaylorMade had this dad there standing for $6,500. And the reason they bred this mare to that horse was because the that's what they could afford. <laughs> so I was going to say $6,500 for a tailor-made horse is not very expensive. No. <laughs> so um, they got this colt, who ended up being Medina Spirit. They got this colt, and she couldn't afford to keep it. So she sold it at the Ocala Breeder Sale for $1,000. And that's where Christy... As a yearling. I as believe. a yearling, right. Uh, and that's where pinhooker Christy Whitman... Explain what a pinhooker is. You have a good friend as pinhooker. A pinhooker is somebody that, like, say you buy him as a weanling, and then you condition him a little bit and feed him, and you sell him as a yearling. So or you buy like him as a yearling. Yeah, just kind of like that person who hops in the middle and yeah, exactly the middleman. Okay, so they train them up a little bit and then they go on to the next bone, or owner. they don't, or they, they don't. just feed them. You know, yeah. whatever <laughs> depends on what how they how they are at that point. 
Well, this Christy Whitman uh, bought him for $1,000 and ended up sending uh, him to the sale, the two-year-old sale. So a year later, she kept the horse for a year and sold him at the two-year-old sale for $35,000. And that's when he went on to be Bob Baffert's trained horse. So um, what happened to mom? What happened to Mongolia Changa? Well, this is where the kind of heartbreaking part of the story comes in. And that is she gave the mare away. After Medina Spirit sold for $1,000, she needed to pare down her stock. She had like four horses, and she couldn't afford that many, so she, she gave it away. She initially retained 10% of, of the mare, but the mare was resold and is now owned by TaylorMade and some other clients, and she has no ownership in the mare anymore. Oh, um, man. So, yeah, I mean, it was. this is a story. This is a home. Now, there is an interesting, another interesting part of this story is that she keeps her horses. I think she has three or four left now on an 18-acre farm just north of Acala here, north of where we are. And it's owned by her son-in-law, who is the jockey Jose Ortiz, oh. who, who married her daughter, Taylor. So that's where she keeps the horses. I didn't know he w- had a farm here. Um, but apparently that's where he has his farm, and that's where she keeps her horses. But there's a story for you. So she gives the mare away before the baby even gets to run. And- oh, she ain't worth nothing. <laughs> that baby only sold for $1,000, so, you know. Yeah, there we go. Wow. And it goes on to win the dang Kentucky Derby. Derby. That's ridiculous. She was thrilled, though. She was thrilled, obviously. Uh, but she's, you know, do the breeders get a, a fee or a... Some kind the of winning? The only time the breeders get money is in the Breeders' Cup. That's the only time. Like, this yeah. race, they get nothing. Nothing. Jeez. So, Bob I believe, Baffert, Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure the Breeders' Cup is is kind of the Breeders' Cup. I mean, that's like, they get a, 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 a big percentage. I think 10%. Obviously, two people who had good weekends were Bob Baffert with his seven Kentucky Derby wins. Now, no matter what you think of him, he's still the winningest Kentucky Derby trainer there has ever been. And then John Velasquez, God, he won. Uh, he won the Oaks on Friday, and then won the Kentucky <laughs> so Derby. That's a good weekend. That's a weekend you could pay the bills after that weekend. I hope he took Sunday off. <laughs> he probably didn't. He was probably riding at at some uh-huh. track in the Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> he probably flew up and was riding at some. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, it was a neat story. Now, we'll see what happens. They said that most of the horses in the Preakness now, yes, we're doing them in order this year. Most of the horses in the Preakness now will probably be new. Um, If Medina Spirit wins the dang Triple Crown, I will eat my hat. I don't, I can't, (laughs) I can't. I mean, I, I won't eat my hat. This lady who had Mongolian Jenga gave her away is going to eat her, <laughs> She'll eat her, her shoe. <laughs> <laughs> she will eat her That'd hat. That'd be crazy. Bob Baffert gets another triple crown winner with, oh, God. That would be amazing. Do you think that uh, daddy's, cool. do you think daddy's uh, prunt, Pertonico surprise went up a little now? I think next season he may be a little more on the board. <laughs> a little more above $6,500 for yeah, next year. Yeah, exactly. TaylorMade's making out. Now they own the mayor and the and the daddy. So there you go. <laughs> Breed those two together again. Yeah. <laughs> so you posted a video this morning. Uh, by the way, a little bit later on, I wanted to mention, too, that we have Cody from Kem and Equine to, uh, coming on to talk to us a little bit about heat stress because it's starting to warm up in places around the country. And we have to start dealing with that soon. I know you just came out of winter, but guess what? So you um, you have this longtime Mustang that you got probably has to be eight years, 
seven, eight, six, eight yeah, years ago. Yeah, so see, I got him in 2016. So Seems whatever that, that is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me. I feel like forever. Uh, but he seems like has Zeus has been, been torturing you for 10 years. <laughs> I know. It's only been five, half that. It just seems doubled. Uh, but Zeus is my my love. Like, I love this horse. But he, one, when I was in Arizona, I took him cross-country schooling. And by the way, he's competed all the way up through novice. The 15 one-hand Mustang competing novice is just awesome. And uh, so he's he's just been amazing. And one time we were out cross country schooling and he was bucking after the jumps and he would land and buck. And so I'm like, okay, not him. So I pulled him up, took him home, x-rayed his front feet and he had three degrees of laminitis. Okay. So now he lives in a muzzle. Uh, and he hates me for that. Um, but it's that time yeah, of year. All again. our horses so, that live in muzzles hate us. <laughs> by the way, if you need a muzzle, Green Guard is the only muzzle that is Zeus proof. So if you have anything close to Zeus, Green Guard is the way to go. Anyway, so he lives in the muzzle. And then we were training to do a long distance ride. My, my, one of the stupid ideas that I had when I was in Arizona of like, what I want to do everything. So I learned how to drive, you know, or, and then I, then I was like, I'm going to do a, a 25 mile with him. And he did attendant while we were in training. So he didn't get to do that. And he did attendant. So he's sat for well, a to year. To be honest, there were two reasons that he never did a 25 mile. Well, I hated it. Yeah. I mean, I, let's be honest. But it would have been more fun on him. Uh, but once he did that, it was just, I, I, I tried my other Mustang Thor, and he Mustang Thor was like, just go on without me, I'll die in the desert. I'm fine. So he was not one that really wanted to exert an ener energy. Point is, Zeus has had a couple major crises. He's insulin resistant. So he has to wear like eat like diet food. He can't have fresh grass. He did attendance. So he was on stall rest and he like ate my past my fencing and like he just was miserable. Well, I decided, you know, once this whole thing happened with Parker, which is the thoroughbred that I adopted at Christmas time that just got diagnosed with severe kissing spine. I was like, I'm not, the only thing I want is a horse that I can just hop on and ride and take out to shows. And I've been riding Zeus here and there and taking him on trail rides, but he's been really bad when I ride him in the arena, like something's wrong, you know, they, but, but a Mustang is a type of horse that most of them will not show pain. Because if they show pain in their world that they live in, they're the first ones to get targeted and eaten, you know, by the, by the, the predators. So he has been very quiet about when he has hurt to like the tendon. He never was limping a day. I just noticed a little lump and a swelling in the inside of his leg. The only reason I knew about the laminitis was because he was bucking after jumps and not huge bucks, but like, ow, that hurts upon landing kind of thing. So he, it's, he's very stoic and very difficult. And so I've, I've been working with my, my vet here and she is like, I, I, I don't know what else to do because he won't, he doesn't show anything. So, um, she referred me because the point is all I want to do is have a horse that I can just go out and ride. And that's why I've been adopting thoroughbreds and trying to get all these guys trained. And, and then this thing happens with Parker and I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to pull him out of the field and he is going to get back to work. So he, he, he can't go back to work because he is now bucking like at the trot. Um, I, I can't figure it out. Kind of. Said, well, you get I, on I don't it. like this or I'm yeah. hurting or something. 
He pins his ears the whole time. When you ask him to move off your leg, he like goes into your leg and kicks up and then he bucks and he does all these. It's just like that behavior that you look at and you're like, wow, that horse is an a-hole, but he's not typically, he's very hardworking. So there's something, Did you do something to piss him off. I mean, I must have because he's just, he just, he's so lovely otherwise, but he's just not fun to ride. And so I have been working with my vet and she's like, you know what you need to do oh, no. is you a need to set up. <laughs> no, oh. she, there's something called, and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to learn about it today because Zeus has an appointment at an equine hospital about an hour and a half away. And they have what is called a lameness locator. So because he's not, he doesn't show you where he hurts. She was like, you, you need to, to call this guy. I mean, how awesome is it? My vet was like, you know what? I'm not going to keep spending your money. You just need to go to this guy. Um, because he just doesn't show any pain at all when you're doing stuff. And maybe somebody looks okay, at the so video. Well, what exactly is a lameless, lameness locator? I don't know, Glenn, but I, <laughs> I by God, I picture electrodes today. all over his body. You uh, know? <laughs> that's what I think of too. Like, I'm like, are they going to put like little things on his feet and like ears? I, I don't know what they're going to do. But uh, so I made a video for the veterinarian at the hospital to see kind of the okay, behavior that I'm Let getting. Let me write this down. Hospital veterinarian lameness locator. I see about $10,000. I told Chad, I'm like, listen, <laughs> that's what I see <laughs> because that is what he saw. Um, and he's like, and this is Zeus, right? And I was like, I, I would spend, if I was to adopt another thoroughbred, it's a thousand dollars. So I was like, I kind of feel like I've got a thousand dollars that I can spend on. God, you, on have, a, you have something for every <laughs> single situation. Every single one. The fact that horse. Chad keeps buying it is crazy. Well, you I know what? It's my money. It's my business. So it's like, whatever. It's good and you have this radio show where you make millions of dollars. I know. He's like, Mother's Day's next week. What do you want? I'm like, I want you to a pay dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have them mail it to you. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing taxes. And he's like, oh my God, you spend a lot of money at the farrier and chat. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Can you just keep your business to yourself? Thank you. Uh, yeah. So Zeus is heading, as soon as the show is over, I'm loading him up and heading up to Edmond, Oklahoma to Oak Ridge Equine Veterinary Clinic with Dr. Major. And apparently he's the lameness locator expert. So I well, will we expect a full guys... health report on Wednesday for our health segment about what exactly a lameness locator is. Yeah, I, I, I hey, never heard of it. Tell him you'll do an interview with him and get him some free advertising and in exchange for the bill. Oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> I'm sure that'll work. That'll just I'm work. Sure. You know what? There's uh, I have listeners all over the world. I'm yeah. sure they're going to fly their horses in to Oklahoma. To Oak Ridge Equine <laughs> Veterinary Hospital in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I will... Um, I'll, I'll keep you guys, I'll get you up to date on that on, on Wednesday. I, again, I'd never heard of it, but my vet was like, you, this is the guy you need to go see. So we will find out more stick around. What a tease for Wednesday. We'll see how that goes, but I'm tired of getting bucked off. And and my little horse is so fun to ride and mentally or physically, there's something wrong. I don't know. Well, and that's the thing is like, I don't want to train pain. So if there is something physically wrong, fine, let's address it and let's fix it. And if there's something mentally wrong, then at least I know I can train that, but I don't want to train a horse that is in pain. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Jennifer, speaking of vets, uh, you know, Jennifer's horse had the fever for seven days, which meant multiple vet visits every day for an IV of antibiotics for about five days. So there were two visits before the daily visits. And she said, I got it, it, casually this morning as I'm doing something else and half listening, she says, I got the bill for the vet today. Okay. And, uh, so what do you what do you expect that to be with with all it's probably seven visits total? Well, uh, I mean, I would think that and, I don't know what you did on the first day, but every those everyday visits, my vet would charge us oh, sixty to seventy dollar call multiple charge, multiple blood and blood tests and medication. Uh, I, I'm hoping it's going to be in your favor. It was actually. This is a new vet that she got. She's fairly young and recently out of school, I think. But she like really likes her. She didn't like her old vet at all. And uh, five hundred fifty bucks. I didn't think that was wow, bad. Glenn. Say it with me now. <laughs> it's like it's, it's free. free. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think Amazing. that was bad. Did you think that was bad? Five fifty? No, that's 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 uh no, that's pretty nice. <laughs> So I said, you can keep that vet. Now, I think the next one will be double, right? Uh, she just suckers you in the first. She sucks yeah. you in like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was I thought, pleasant news this morning. I was really expecting it to be about 1500 to be honest. See, and that is where she is genius enough to condition you to remember, like, you you're, you were in sales. What is the sales thing? Is to under-promise and over-deliver. Yes. And that is exactly what your wife did to you. Yes, she did. She I was expecting mm. fifteen hundred, <laughs> and I got five fifty. I was excited. I mean, you, she has conditioned you to be like, "Wow, only five hundred and fifty dollars." She did make a good point. I know I'm going to get in trouble. I got in trouble last time I said this, but I don't care. Um, email Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. She did say she said, "Well, you know, if it was the dog, it would have cost us a thousand dollars." She's she. You always right. get in trouble for stuff. I like do. That. I always get in trouble. <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's true. Horse vets are always less than, than, than equine small vets. Small vets. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it would. That's just a fact. <laughs> it's just a yeah. fact. Well, uh, speaking of the dog, the dog goes to her new home on Friday, and uh, the lady has agreed to meet halfway. So it's going to oh, be a three-hour drive each way, and uh, she gets to go to her new home. She's, she's actually walking almost without a limp now. She was carrying on this morning like she'd never hurt herself, so I think she's ready to go to her new house. Uh, and uh, we, we're feeling no no regret over that decision at Just this point. Make sure you tell the new owner not to do that chase thing. That no chase things. No, no, no. She has five greyhounds. I imagine there's going to be some chasing. <laughs> so she yeah, knows the okay. story, though. She knows the whole story. So she apparently has a segregated place. So we're excited that she gets to go do her thing. Uh, we're going to go next to Kevin Equine. I got to speak to Cody, and he's talking a little bit about something you're all going to be dealing with here very shortly. We're starting to deal with it on Florida already. And that's heat. And then, you know, they haven't totally lost their coats. It gets hot out all of a sudden, and you got heat stress on your hands, and we're going to talk about that. Well, I'm back with Cody Swan, who is the head of equine business over at Kemen Equine. And we get together once a month and talk about some various health issues involving horses. And I can't think of a more appropriate thing to talk about. I'm looking at the therm the temperature gauge outside right now is 98 degrees here in Ocala. Uh, and with humidity, it's about a thousand degrees. So, you know, we're talking about uh, summer and higher temperatures and heat stress. You know, we do worry about that any place where there where there's hot weather. How do we know when our horses are at risk of overheating? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So, um, not only do we need to 
take into account temperature, but also humidity. Just like us, when it's hot outside, our horses begin to sweat to help dissipate the excess body heat. Uh, and just like us, the higher the relative humidity, the less efficient sweating becomes in order to cool our bodies off. So, for instance, today, um, here in the Midwest, it's 90 degrees. I think we're supposed to average 70% humidity. So what you want to do is take, you add those two numbers together to get your thermal heat index. So 90 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, 70% humidity, you're looking at 160. Using that total allows us to identify how careful we should be with our horse. So I'll try to paint you a little bit of a picture here. There's four different categories that we want to look at. So you take that combined total. If it's less than 130, your risk is fairly low. You operate as normal. If the total is between 130 and 150, uh, you can ride normally, but maybe take a few precautions, maybe more frequent breaks, um, give your horse a drink of water, etc. It's really when you get above 150, as I said today, it's 160 here, that you start to approach that high risk zone. So you want to keep your work light, maybe keep in mind the time of day that you're working your horse or riding your horse, maybe do it earlier in the morning or later in the evening. And then you also want to be very cognizant of signs of heat stress and really ensure a cool down afterwards. And then once you get north of that 180, that's really the danger zone and it's not worth it, right? Take the day off. And especially if you have, if, if you string several of those days together, just take those days off. It, it's not worth it. That's so, why we take a lot of um, days off in Florida. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly right. So are there some horses that are greater risk of overheating, you know, uh, weight or anything like that have to do with it? There are. So, yeah, the first one that comes to mind is is obese or overweight horses and, and then heavily muscled horses as well. Uh, they tend to be at a little bit higher risk. It's just harder for them to cool down. And um, and then, it, you know, in addition, if your horse is going from, let's say, you know, the northern U.S. to the southern U.S., if your horse hasn't had time to acclimate to those temperatures, obviously they're at a little bit higher risk also, especially if they're in a trailer or being stalled where the airflow is not great. Um, so all those horses are a little bit higher risk. So so what are the signs? What do I look for then? If I, How can I tell if my horse is overheating other than just being yeah, sweaty? Yeah. So <laughs> Right, right. So it's, you know, it's not rocket science. It, it's just, you know, the same things that we look for in ourselves. It's increased respiratory rates, increased heart rates. Um, you know, when we get hot, we don't always want to eat or, or, or um, drink water. Profuse sweating, as you mentioned, droopy ears, the horse is lethargic. They look like, you know, they may be dehydrated. Um, I don't know if you have done this. We've done this on our animals that if you pinch their skin, Mm -hmm. um, it's called a, a skin tent. Uh, so if you pinch their skin, it tends to stick together where, um, otherwise if they're, if they're well hydrated, it just falls back normally. Um, muscle cramping. And then obviously you get into the, to the telltale signs of anything. You get into the more major issues, colic, et, et cetera. So it really just keeps, uh, comes down to keeping a close eye on your horse. And, um, and if you know your horse as well, you should, you should be able to see those signs. Well, fortunately, in my 
somewhat overweight hackney pony. I haven't had problems with him yet in Florida. But if my if if he would start experiencing heat stress, what do you do? I mean, what steps? Yeah, again, a lot of the same thing we do for ourselves. Try to you know, especially if you're outside, try to find some shade, uh, preferably preferably where there's a breeze or airflow. Um, obviously, using fans help tremendously in, in horse barns. Um, and then other things we can do is provide electrolytes. <clears throat> you know, so what we do here is we put in two tablespoons per gallon of water. Um, and that works great. Um, interesting fact, an adult horse needs that's dehydrated needs up to about five gallons of water, um, just to get themselves back to normal. So obviously water is important. Spraying down the horse can help from head to tail, you know, their neck back and their rump and, and cool their legs off. And then when we do that, obviously we want to, they make horse scrapers for a reason. And, um, when we wet the horse down, we want to scrape that water off. If it were to sit there, that kind of acts as an insulator to that horse. And so we want to make sure we do that. Uh, and then obviously if it gets to where there's, there's critical signs of heat stress, that's the point where you, where you want to call your veterinarian, you know, for further advice. So, and then in addition to that, I mentioned earlier, um, if you string several of these hot and humid days together, uh, you really want to keep an eye on them, not over the, just over the course of the day, but over several days. And that leaky gut can actually occur. And so that allows toxins to flood into the bloodstream and uh, leading to sepsis or infection of the blood, which, you know, can then obviously result in, in more uh, dire issues, organ failure and death, et cetera. Uh, so, in fact, most heat deaths uh, occur days after the, the heat actually occurs. And so so it's very important that, that not only the day of that you have those high temperature and humidity, but keep an eye on that horse for several days. Obviously, like anything else, I think preventative measures, right, are the best way to solve this problem. Yep, absolutely. So like we discussed, we just keep an eye on that temperature and humidity when you get up in the mornings, you know, have yourself well prepared for for what it's going to be that day. Um, Give your horse time to acclimate to those higher temperatures, ease into training gradually. Uh, But there's also nutritional approaches that can help. So Evidence suggests that that insulin action is a key component of an animal's response to to street to uh, to heat stress, and the chromium actually in Chemtrace Chromium, the product that Kim and Equine provides, improves that insulin function, which increases glucose clearance. Um, so it just improves that horse metabolically and improves their ability to handle the heat, stay healthy. Um, and still perform. So to learn more about how to reduce the impacts of heat stress, you can actually go to our website, kemen.com forward slash equine heat stress. And we have a really cool poster there that you can print out um, that covers exactly what we talked about today. So the heat index, signs of heat stress, and then what to do about it, as well as some other information. So I encourage folks to do that. All right, very good. Thank you, Cody. We appreciate you being on this month. And everybody stay cool out there.
Well, we are not doing the post-show today for our auditors, just to let you know that, because uh, you have a bed appointment. You have to drive an hour and a half, too. So. we got to giddy up. So we're not going to be well, doing that. Well, it was that. supposed to be one that they called me this morning, and I was like, oh, boy, what's going on? And I, I answered the phone. They're like, we're wondering if you could come an hour earlier. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I'll and do my best. It, today was the first day, in case you're wondering why the show didn't come out in your feed quite as early as it usually does, is because we're actually starting an hour later, so we have more time to deal with uh, life before it gets to be a thousand degrees every day. So that uh, Jamie can ride her horses, I can play with Scooter and do my bike riding and all that stuff, so we're going to be an hour later on your feeds almost every day. So whatever time you were getting it before, just add an hour. That's when we're going to be now. We haven't stopped, haven't changed anything except for that. One other announcement, too, that apparently we don't make enough is that we are not doing live at this point. We stopped doing live when I got sick, and there was just no way we could do it at that point. So, And then we just decided that we weren't going to, with all the traveling uh, Jennifer and I are going to be doing this summer, doing the show from the road, it would have been too hard. So we just decided not to do live for the until um, further notice. And it really hasn't changed as far as people listening, uh, you know, people still listen to the recorded. It hasn't changed a whole lot. Makes it a little bit easier for us, especially when we're traveling. So uh, we are not live right now. Do you know uh, Chernobyl, believe it or not, what happened, the whole Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Russia uh, did its blow up thing in 1998. God, it seems like yesterday. It was. This is a long time ago. Sucks getting old. I know. Jeez, it just seemed like yesterday, but it was 1998, and of course they had a 19 square mile radius around that they just basically deserted. That they moved everybody out. Houses are sitting there with their dishes still on the kitchen tables, and just everybody had to leave, and they left immediately because it is so radioactive. Well. They estimate that people won't be able to live there in that 19-mile radius for 24,000 years. Good Lord. But some animals are doing really well. Uh, it has become a haven for elk, wolves, and the Przewalski horses. Remember we've talked about the Przewalski horses before? Let me help you pronounce it. It's Shavalski. Shavalski. Okay, thank you. Shavalski horses. We've talked about them before. They were they had gone to basically extinct they, and they brought them back and they've released some all over the in the Gobi Desert and different places to try and get them back. Well, they released about 80 or 90 of them into this area. And they have prospered. They had now a number about 150. So they, and then there's some even over the border that have left that area. So they're doing very well. They, they expect the numbers to double like every couple of years. So it just goes to show you that animals will adapt. Now it's interesting. They didn't say anything in this article about the length of life. You know, is the radiation causing their lives to be much shorter? You, you would expect that, but I don't. I don't know. And apparently, Do they have a third. No, eye I, or I was just going to say. And apparently, they don't have six heads. So yeah. Uh, but they're doing very well, and they think that this actually could say, help save the breed. Um, so there. And br by the way, the total population, global population, has now grown to some twenty seven hundred from basically zero. So uh, so good news for that particular. They're talking about now taking other animals that are almost extinct and putting mating pairs in that area. Like uh, one of them is a European bison, which apparently, it, you know, there's not a whole lot of left at all and putting them in that area and just seeing what happens. So 
you know, it's funny, nature will take over undisturbed and kind of heal itself. So there's that. Also, if you're looking for a farm, you remember Paris Pike in Lexington, Kentucky. It's one of the most it's, pretty roads ever. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's <laughs> There's cute. just horse farm after horse farm on both sides of the road. It is just beautiful. Well, we went up there. Where did what farm did we go to all together? Last one of the last times we did a meetup. Up in Paris? Yeah. We, what was well, that? Uh we went to where um oh gosh, you're you should have given me a heads up. Yeah, there. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember, but we went to a farm up Paris Pike. It was a good ways up there. But anyway, um, there is a farm, and everybody's seen it that's been on Paris Pike, called Normandy Farm. It is now for sale because the lady, Nancy Polk, who lived there, died in 2018. So this 250-acre farm... We Claiborne. Went we went to Claiborne. Yeah. That's right. Uh, this 250-acre farm features one of Lexington's oldest brick homes, built in 1803 has three tenant houses, a carriage house, and six barns with 83 stalls, 250 acres. So, uh, you know, there you go. I think we should all go together and get it. What do you think? Could oh, my God. There? Now, this, it says <laughs> this is where Man of War was actually buried? Or, no, the Siren Dam were. The Siren Dam and Man of War are buried there. And there's a statue, apparently, there of them at, at the graveyard. Wow. Wow. This farm has quite a history, you know, it, it, uh, the barns were, there was a barn built in 1929. It was a, a Normandy style barn and uh, it was featured in the film Seabiscuit. So the barn, one of the barns that was on this property was featured in Seabiscuit. And the guy actually, uh, Joseph Widener, who was a World War I pilot for the U.S. military, commissioned the barn in the 1920s after he was shot down in Normandy, France during the war, and he was sheltered by the French resistance in a barn exactly like this. And Is that the barn in Seabiscuit where they like pulled the cars out of and then they put so. Seabiscuit in there? I think so. I'd have to watch it again to see, but it, I, I'm pretty sure You think he would name it Normandy Sucks, as, you know. <laughs> but, but it was that barn. The French resistance took him into this barn and it's what saved his life. Oh. And the barn had ceramic animals engraved into the building for good luck. So when he had this barn built in 1927, he had ceramic figures bronzed into the foundation, including cats, roosters, and jockeys. Um, how much for Normandy Farm? How much would you like to spend for Normandy Farm? I would like to spend seventeen hundred dollars. Uh, take that times about a million and a half, oh. or ten million, uh, seven million. Take that by seven million, seven point two million dollars for this. Your uh, math, you can't do math. Don't seven point two million dollars <laughs> is what we can all buy this for today. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Now the house is—it's interesting. I went to the listing uh, for it, and there's no pictures of the inside of the house. It's not a big house. We we all couldn't live there. It'd be well. It was built in 1803. Yeah. It was like but not. Their it's, main focus. No, it's not a great big house. Uh, barns, yeah, there's 83 stalls and six barns. So it's, and it's like Kentucky nice, you know. With they the, had their priorities straight. Yeah, they, you, you could live in the barns. I mean, they're nice barns. But, and of course, the pastures and the fencing is all Kentucky. So it's very nice. But yeah, there you go. Normandy Farms for sale if you want it. I'll take two. Rector Hayden Realtors. Just contact them today. I'm sure they'd be happy to show it to you. Let's go to our guest. We have had her on many times, and she's kind of our resident uh, cook. 
she, we have her on. She does a blog that's called What Italians Really Eat. And we talk food with her when she comes on. Her name is But she's Pat also Rhea. an equestrian writer. Like, yes. that's how we learned about her was she was coming on to talk about, you know, an uh, article she'd written. And I went down this rabbit hole of Pat <laughs> Rea. And she's like this amazing cook and also write, like writes books and poetry. And uh, she's amazing. She's a... Um, She's a renaissance woman. There you go. We 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 focused on food for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocker. Because usually we're hungry by the time we're doing the show. So let's get Pat on and see. She's going to actually have some derby party recipes. They had a party over the weekend, so she got a recipe for us. Welcome to the show, Pat. Is it okay if I call you Aunt Pat? I feel like we're I feel like we're family. <laughs> she does kind of, of seem course. that way, doesn't she? <laughs> of course. That's a compliment. That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. And Pat, what are we going to talk about today? Usually you make me very hungry and I end up making whatever you discuss on the show on uh, for dinner tonight. So what's for dinner? Well, I got to tell you the truth. Um, we're going to talk about the little der- uh, derby party I had here um, on Saturday. And of course, it's all about the food, right? I mean, what else is there in life? Is, you know, that's how it is. You are Italian, so I mean, I yeah, am, yeah, yes, yeah. and my husband is too. So you know, it's all about the refrigerator. <laughs> 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 so we had some friends over um, for um, Derby Day, and we 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 just very informal kind of get together, and we said, well, you know, what exactly can we do? So he said, I know. He said, let's make mini mufaladas, and we did. Um, we got a loaf of um, Italian bread, and we um, cut it in half lengthwise, of course, and filled it with all kinds of good stuff, cheese and roast beef and salami and all that great stuff. And put um, mufalata always has like an olive, um, kind of an olive salad dressing in between the layers. Mm-hmm. And so we put that in, and we cut them into little tiny, tiny sandwiches and served those. And for people who had never had such a thing, it was it was a revelation. <laughs> I'm googling it right now. Have what you ever it had looks one, like. Jamie? I have not, but I've been a vegetarian since I was nine. Yeah, but you so can make these without the meat. Even I just That's googled vegetarian yeah. mufalata recipes, and uh, there's plenty on there. So tell it's me, it's mostly tell me. about the olives. It's really it's exactly yeah. it's it's about it's about the stuff that you actually put between the layers that quote unquote olive salad, and that's another thing that you can kind of make according to taste too. You can make that yourself, but I will put Barry's recipe um, for um, the olive um, salad that goes in between the sandwich uh, layers of the sandwiches online so that everybody has those. And as a as our um, homage, so to speak, to the Kentucky <laughs> Derby, we made um, mango margaritas with bourbon. I'm, I'm sorry, oh, mango Lord. martinis with bourbon. Oh, good Lord, you, just, you had me at, at, at all of that. <laughs> you, had, you had her at mango and bourbon. That's Mango, <laughs> martini, for all the things. You know what? I got to say, Pat, that um, like when you, a quick, quick question before I say my comment, sure. did you send out invitations to this party or is it just like kind of a word of mouth thing? No, it was, it was just kind of a word of mouth thing. There were a couple of neighbors that dropped by, you know, we're Italian people. We, everybody looks hungry to us. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's so said, sure. <laughs> if you, party. if you get an invitation to a party at Pat and her husband's house, 
I bet you there is not one person who says no. I mean, that's the thing. And like, then I was thinking if it's word of mouth, it's like one of those parties in high school where like you invite three yep. people and like 300 show up. So you better be ready. <laughs> right, 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 right. Can, can we get um, back to the Mufaladas for a second? So yeah, let's get back to the Mufaladas. Last time we were in New Orleans, which is where Mufaladas became popular. Correct. Um, we, we had them. And you could make these. I mean, they have usually have ham and salami on them, but you, they also have cheeses and then the olive salad. Now, if you don't like olives, you're not going to hate this. It's going to be awful. Um, right. But with the olive salad, and I, I, I like it with the green olives and black olives. And actually, That's the one how we, we make had, it. Yeah. Yep. And actually, a lot of uh, places make it with multiple olives, you know, because Italians mm-hmm. like all olives. That's why there's olive we bars do. at the at the grocery store, right? It's for Italians. We do. Yeah. <laughs> but you definitely <laughs> yes, could make. And toasted bread. Did you toast the bread? It's got to be toasted. Um, we did not. We did not toast the bread. We sliced it. We warmed it before we put all the stuff on it, and we sliced it yeah, into okay. little sandwiches. Um, you, you do know the history behind the mufalata, right? No, you know where this no. came from. Oh, okay. So it, it, the mufalata was born at the Central Grocery Store in um, uh, Louisiana, in New Orleans, okay? And there were a lot of Italians that went to New Orleans to do the stone cutting. You know those monuments you see in the cemeteries and all that jazz. So they, 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 they noticed that the Italian workmen were coming in the store and they were ordering a, 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 a loaf of bread and some lunch meats and some cheese, and they were going out and making their sandwiches. So the owner of the central grocery store said, well, I'm no fool. Here's a great idea. Let me make these little sandwiches. And, of course, Italians never, ever eat mayonnaise. They would die for it, except for this one. I do. Um, but, you know, the rest of they would die first. My dad and my husband, oh, my God, they walk sideways past the refrigerator. And so he made these, he made these sandwiches um, in layers, and the and they would and he would cut them in wedges, and the workman would come in and have a wedge of sandwich and go his, have his lunch. And that's where those came from. So he's the one that put the olives on first, or is that an old yes, Italian thing? No, well, no, he did it. He did it first, but it is an Italian thing. Most Italians will put um, uh, olive oil. You know, they to, to moisten the sandwich or a little bit of vinegar to give it a little like oomph. But uh, uh, the olive salad is something that that's a, that's a whole nother story about how every Italian makes an olive salad differently. And um, well, I mean, we Barry makes it and we give it away as gifts at Christmas time. Oh, well, I'm going to give <laughs> oh my you my God. address because we love that stuff. <laughs> I we, we would be happy to send you some. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have, do you like olives, Jamie? I don't. That's one topic we've never talked about. I don't. I I don't want to offend Aunt Pat <laughs> by answering that question. <laughs> So I'm going to abstain, but I am looking at vegetarian mufalata recipes right now. And I'm like, if I could just take the, I was thinking like, what if you added some vinegar instead of the olives? I know. I mean, I'm sorry. I know this is offensive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there's peppers and parsley and, and uh, bell peppers and all color, all colors, grated cheese, tomatoes. And it looks like you just take this big bread thing and you cut it, cut the top out, make it into like a bowl. 
and this this one you cram everything in there and then you wrap it up and, and bake it for a minute. Now, do yours do you is is your bread made into a bowl a type thing or no, or no? No, we usually if we're doing this for um a lot of people and we usually sometimes we do this for New Year's Eve it, it's like an easy thing to do and everybody loves it. But we'll get a round loaf of bread and slice it in thirds so you have the top, you slice the top off and then you slice the middle and then you have the bottom and you just build layers. Right. Ah. And in between the layers, yes, you can use absolutely if you're if you're if you're not a great olive lover, you can absolutely use oil and vinegar or or and season that any way that you like. Um, that's the thing about about making these. They're they're really like cool to look at. A lot of people have not had them, and they're so easy to make. Okay, we're gonna like, need the recipe. Do you like the pimento so, in the olive? He does. Yeah, yeah uh, Jamie, yeah. do you like the pimento? Because most of the, fl- fl- I think a lot of the flavor in an olive salad comes from the pimentos. Um, you could almost. I got to tell you, Glenn, you even asking me questions about olives <laughs> is giving me heartburn. <laughs> I'm like, one of those guys, Pat, that goes by the olive bar and just loads it up, you know, all the different Well, olives. you know, my ultimate favorite thing is a blue cheese stuffed olive. I mean, green olive stuffed with blue cheese. Keep going. We're, I, I'm loving the fact <laughs> that we're making Jamie sick right now. I think this is great. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not. You're going to kick me out of the family now. It's awful. <laughs> I guarantee you there's people in the audience right now going, oh, move a lot of, and now I want one today. Yeah. Oh, you're, I told you whatever she talks about, <laughs> we have to make one of us will have to make it. But I got to tell you that I was so hungry 45 seconds ago until she mentioned blue cheese stuffed olives. <laughs> now it's all well, gone. I, I'm, I'm going to bring your appetite back. You, okay, you like, okay. do you like zucchini? Yes, I love all vegetables except for okay. olives. And See, I don't like zucchini, so I'm going to stick with my mufalata. And well, you're, you're going to like this, though. You peel a zucchini, right, and you slice it lengthwise. So you have, like, little planks of zucchini. Yes. You dip them in egg, and you dip them in um, seasoned breadcrumbs, maybe with a little grated cheese, okay. and you fry them up to golden brown. And those things are also to die for. Those are, like, in the refrigerator right now. They're snacks. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds amazing. So can I tell you what I've learned and and I want to get your Italian opinion on this is I take sure. those zucchinis and I take a slicer and I slice them. So they're little planks, but like thin planks. Yep. And then I started making ravioli out of them. So you take really? the, you, you make them into a crisp, like you lay one North and one, you know, one North and South, one East and West. And then you put your little stuffing um, from your, you know, your ricotta cheese with the egg and the peppers and salt and the, uh, some Parmesan cheese and you put that in the middle and then you fold the top over and then you fold the bottom over and you flip it over and put it in the pants, like a little ravioli. And it sounds is, good to me. oh my God. You it's, bake them? Yes. You bake them? Okay. Sounds yes. good to me. Bake them for like longer than you think because the, 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 the still be a little bit crunchy, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. over kind of overcook it, but you cover it in sauce and you cover it in cheese. And then you have a, like almost a carb free, uh, you know, with, with my seven year old eats it and he, cool. you know, he's they seven. sound fabulous. Yeah. So, so, but I'm going to start frying it up. Let's take the health out of it. Let's, let's bring it. <laughs> you got to fry it. I'll put that, I'll put that recipe on, uh, uh, on, uh, on the website too. 
Yes, please do. And again, it's what Italians really eat. It's Pat Rea. She's amazing. Where can people find out about you? Because again, I was talking earlier about, you know, how we first booked you to come on and talk about an article. And then I went down this Pat Rea rabbit hole of awesomeness and you're (laughs) completely a Renaissance woman and you're amazing. So where can people see all the awesome things you do? Well, people can, um, obviously the quickest way is to go through Facebook and, um, Pat Rea, uh, on Facebook, also um, um, Horse Welfare News, which covers welfare issues and things like that for um, the horse industry, and P.D. Rea Poetry. I write poetry when I'm not um, writing other things. Or making olive salad. Or making olive salad. <laughs> or not cooking. God love your husband. He has. For those who don't remember... Pat is Italian, and so is her husband. And sometimes they might not agree on all the things, much like some husband and wife, plus Italian. It's going to be a, a fireworks. So he actually has his own kitchen in the garage, right? He does. God bless him. It has saved our lives many, many times. Um, he's got a stove in there. He's got an oven. He's got a sink. Actually, he has a sink, a brass sink, oh, wow. that has come out of a mansion in New York. <laughs> he is the ultimate man that. cave he's... out there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, I got it. Pat, you have to be honest about this. You promise me you're going to be honest. I will. Which kitchen's cleaner? Oh, God. Good question. They're both pretty clean. I mean, he's he's really a neat freak. As a matter of fact, probably his. Because um, mine is like I'm always doing stuff. He doesn't use his, his as much. Um, but, yeah, he's he's kind of a neat freak. He's really good about that. That's why he has never, in the 20 years that we have been married, stepped into my office. <laughs> <laughs> he can't handle it. His emotions run Scares too high. Him to death. Yeah. Start shaking. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <He> does. <laughs> Well, you guys go out and follow Pat on what Italians really eat, Italian comfort food. And uh, you can see all of that and these recipes she's going to post. And I'm really excited to fry some zucchini. And by the time we get you on next, I'm making olive salad and a muffalata. You've just convinced me. We need pictures. I'm so glad. All right. Pictures are the recipe up here. I'm going to, I'm going to get, and I'll take pictures. I promise. All right. Thanks, Pat. All right. right, Love you. Mean it. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Bye. She's always fun. <laughs> oh my God. I love pictures of her husband because he is like this. It's just like this Italian wearing the white tank top, you know, like <laughs> he's rubbing <classic>. out. <laughs> he's like awesome. He's glad he has his own kitchen. I love that. <laughs> well, you know what it's time for, don't you? Oh God. Are you ready? Bring Let it me on. know when you're prepared. You're I'm prepared? ready. Okay. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. It usually is. And the reason is it's good is because our listeners submit these problems themselves. You know, sometimes you need a, a cathartic approach to life and, and how you do that is by, you know, sharing with everybody else and getting things off your chest. And, and these are real problems that on Sunday nights or sometimes Monday morning, I'll put a post on the horses in the morning auditors, Facebook page, asking people to submit their problems. And, um, they do. And Glenn, uh, if they wanted to become an auditor and participate in this, how do they do that? Just go to horseradionetwork.com, scroll down the right hand side of the page. You're going to see a little auditor banner. And for as little as $3 a month, you can, you can play along with all the things that we do. We had, I had a couple Facebook lives in the auditor room last week. I mean, we do all kinds of special stuff. So 
So check it out there. But let's go um, to, I don't have time to do them all because, God, it's sad. It's sad. Our a lot of problems out there. <laughs> a lot of problems these days. Uh, but we're going to start with a serious one. Um, Michaela says that she's a matchy-matchy addict playing with Western but she just got a new Western pad and doesn't have any boots to match it. <laughs> so sad. Um, Amy says, my husband finally agreed that I could get horse number two, but now I actually have to pick one. And I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> We've done lots of shows on how to shop for horses. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Amy says, <laughs> This one hits close to home. For those who remember how I met my husband, we sat next to each other on an airplane. That is a story for another time, but Amy has a real problem. (laughs) I always expect to find a future horse husband every time I fly. But all I ever sat next to is some (laughs) ugly creep. (laughs) Thanks to you, she has these high expectations. Hey, man, it happens. I mean, at at least once. Uh, Margaret says, my trainer just got Maybe try a train or some different form of transportation. Dude, I gave this um, hot tip when I was in Atlanta and I was was redoing part of our kitchen and I needed something. It was like Friday night. So I went to Home Depot on a Friday night. Good Lord. That's where y'all need to go find your men. Holy All the cow. single guys have no dates, All so they go the to Home Depot. All the single guys, they go to Home Depot, and that is, I was like, there is a plethora of hot guys in here. Like, what is happening? Uh, so there you go. There's another hot tip for you. Margaret says, my trainer just got back from her first show in over a year, and she's all excited, and she wants me to sign up for my first one this summer, but now I have to go buy all the fancy clothes and boots, and of course my pony's going to need matching tack and a pretty saddle pad. It's all about how you look. <laughs> We have a lot of people. That a lot of matchy money. matchy today. <laughs> I know. Uh, Hannah says I moved away from Phoenix and it's much cooler in the mountains, but it's like a dead zone for horses. And I finally have a lesson with extra spending cash, but there's no stable anywhere close. <laughs> <laughs> All this money. It's like you have money. You don't have time. You don't have time. You have the money. Uh, Stephanie says that I was offered a chance to ride in a clinic for free, but it's a five day clinic and I can't take that much time off work. (laughs) See too much money, too much money, no time. Lisa says I took my baby mare. uh, Sorry. I took my baby mare horse out to a tiny show jumping show for her first ever outing. And she won second place in her first round. But she's supposed to be a dressage horse. (laughs) (laughs) Do what they want. I always tell you what they want to do. Uh, Jill says that we have a new pilot at work. She works uh, in, she's a nurse, helicopter nurse. Yeah, she's a helicopter nurse. So she says we have a new pilot at work who is single and breeds shires. And he drives a six horse hitch. He's single. I'm already married. My single friends are too young. And now he's going to go to waste. <laughs> going to go to waste. <laughs> By the way, he's 50. That's not that old. No, I don't think that's old uh, at all. <laughs> You're like, that's a kid. Yeah, he's a youngster. Kayla says, I want to get a biothane bridle for trail riding, but I can't decide what color. That is a problem with biothane. You have really? a million have choices. Like a million? Yeah. Um, Jenny says, I rode yesterday for a whole entire hour and I haven't been able to do that for over a year, but my whole body hurts now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Carrie says, I'm hiring a guy to come out and redo my horse's paddock to fix all the horrible mud issues, but he can't do it until June. And it's been raining all week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Serenity says, I got my shoulder relief girth. Serenity, I got to thank you for shopping our sponsors. Here we go. I got my shoulder relief girth and my stability stirrup leathers today, but my new saddle is still at the leather shop getting new billets and I want to ride in my new tech. (laughs) (laughs) You guaranteed she has it laid out over the couch in the living room. Oh, she's strapped that. She's put that. She's wearing that girth as a belt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Let's go with Laree. Oh, this is great. All right. This is the last two. I'm going to end with these two because it is. (laughs) <laughs> you'll see so Laureen lives in Lorene. New Jersey <laughs> but I'm not going to end with Laureen oh. today Laureen says I had to wash a load of barn clothes and I accidentally threw my phone into the machine oh, no. needless to say I did need a new phone so when I went to the Verizon store all they had was the iPhone 11 so I had to upgrade <laughs> for about $25,000 <laughs> alright so the next one comes from her daughter and her daughter says i upgraded my 2016 iphone (laughs) to an iphone 11 to help with my digital communication internships and a few days after that my mom quote accidentally put her phone into the washing machine and had to get an iphone 11 in the same color purple i am suspicious lorene i'm suspicious too about you (laughs) (laughs) that's great i told my mom forever ago she was like oh my god these galaxy notes are like a dollar at the store and i said mama how often do you call me needing help with your phone and she was like a lot and i said i don't i don't know a galaxy I can't help you. And she's like, I'm going with the iPhone. <laughs> Yay. Well, <laughs> so don't give her my number. That, that's really smart. Exactly. What <laughs> I, I can't, I'm guessing Galaxy. It was Samsung. So I don't know. Yeah, something that I, I, I have those. Yeah. Know how to navigate. So yeah, I'll send her over to you next time. But no, um, no, yeah, okay. Lorene, that was really smart because now you can continue to get assistance from your daughter and call her up and say, how do I send an email? I don't understand how to take a picture and then send it to you. Do you remember I mean, when we used God. to buy phones for less than twelve hundred dollars? It's like long time. I ago. remember, and again, not to age myself, but I remember going, "What is this weefy thing?" Like, yes. I don't understand how there's internet in the sky. <laughs> how are we not all? It's like a microwave. Like, it doesn't make sense to me why the food is hot but the walls are not. <laughs> there's something wrong with this. So, you yeah. never, you always didn't have a problem with microwaves. Microwaves, they make no sense. Don't use it. It's injecting cancer into your food. It must be. I don't understand it, so I'm gonna f- be afraid of it. There you go. Those are your equestrian first world problems, people. Now, I do believe, did you do your fact of the day? I do. I know I I have to do that. And we're going to end the show with that. It's real quick. It won't take long. But first, I wanted to say to Samantha and her son, Justin, who's an, she's an auditor of ours that we're thinking about you and uh, wishing you guys the best. All right. Fact of the day. And now it's time for today's equestrian. Who knew? Fact of the day. I can't help it. You don't like facts. so Your facts irritate me. Let's see <laughs> if this one's going to make me mad. What countries have the most horses? And I have the top 10 here. So if you're oh. going to guess what countries have the most horses, now these are facts, actual numbers. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't argue. What's your source? Uh, this source, I don't know what my source was. I looked it up. The internet was my source. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> it was actually a reputable place. I think it might have been the FBI or somebody. It's a, it's a blog <clears throat> called Rainbows and Unicorns. That's it. And, <laughs> that's it. That's, uh, that's a, actually a thing, I think. So, yeah. Uh, yeah um, let's say. So well, who do you say has the most horses? What country? Mm, I'm going to go with, uh, let's be a homer. I'll say the U.S. I thought China, just because it's so big and they have so many people and they use a lot of their horses for work. So that's why I thought China. But you were right. It's the United States at uh, 10,500,000 horses. Oh, my God. Yelled that sh- Please stop. How is it when you go to look for a horse, you can't find one? And there's 10 million in this country. <laughs> I don't know. Who do you think's number two? This one's going to surprise you, I think. I actually was thinking Canada. Canada's not in the top 10. Okay, 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 okay. I guess again. Um, second, a number of horses in the entire world. Yes, all countries. I am all countries. I'm going to go with Africa because it's so big. Is yeah, but there are a bunch like of little continent? countries. That's a continent. Africa, okay, yeah. that's a continent. You're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, okay. I'm going to guess again. <laughs> Although there is one Africa. I will give you this. Number eight is Ethiopia. So one of the African countries is listed. Wow. I'm going to go with it's got to be somewhere. Let's go with Ireland. Yeah, it's not tiny, in the but top there's a lot 10. of horses. So Brazil. Brazil is on the list, number 4 with 5,500,000 horses, but number 2 was Mexico. Okay. Did would you I didn't see that at all. <laughs> I didn't uh, know they had that many horses down there. Yeah, so number one Mongolia? No, number one's the United States with 10,500,000. Mexico was 6 million. China was in at 5,500,000. Is Australia con- count as a continent and a country? Can we guess Australia? Right, yeah, not on the list. Oh. Brazil was number four. Okay. Yep. Mongolia, you're right, was number five with about 4 million. Argentina is in there. So all these South, you know, South American countries are in there. Yeah, uh, they have a Arge- lot of horses in Argentina. Yeah, uh, two, two and a half million. Um, Kazakhstan, uh, 2.4 million. Ethiopia, 2.2. Russia, 1.3. Kind of thought Russia would have more than that just with working horses. But maybe it's too cold. It's too cold. <laughs> uh, and then Colombia with 1.1. So if you take Colombia, you take Argentina, you take Brazil, and you take Mexico, four out of the top 10 in South America. So there you go. Mexico is not yeah. South America. Well, sort of South America. Sort of. <laughs> it's, it's on the way to South America. <laughs> <laughs> Fly over it at least. Yeah, yeah. There. <laughs> it's south of us. That's south. So uh, yeah. yeah, but just goes to show you, the Latin countries have a lot of horses. All right. Well, I you can't. You know what? Next time, credit your dank source. Let's. I, I, I think this was the FEI. Actually, I think this is where that came from. But yeah, so there you go. That's uh, All right. that's the top ten. Big surprise on the list. Couple of them. And the, Antarctica didn't make the list. Nothing. And not who did? Who didn't? I said, did Antarctica not make no, the list? No, you know, it's such a habitable place. Penguins, they won. Uh, <laughs> not horses. <laughs> so tomorrow on the show, it's Mustang Day. So uh, look for the Mustang talk here tomorrow on the show. And then Wednesday, Jane will be back. Thursday, we have driving. Wendy will be here on Thursday. And then some, we're going to give away a prize for really bad ads on Friday. And Horse Lovers has sent over the next batch of prizes. 
and it's about $500 worth. So this month will be, or on Friday, we'll also be announcing the new prizes for the next month for Really Bad Ads. So tons of prizes coming to you, and we're going to be giving away the Auditor box of crap on Friday. So a lot to look forward to this week. But in the meantime, you have to go to the veterinarian and spend $1,000. It's like it's free if I keep it under 1000 Glenn. Say <laughs> neuter geld. Did you tell the vet that? You haven't, you haven't discussed Did you it. ask him how much the whole body scan is? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have. <laughs>